קודש שנים רבות, נעימות וטובות. Ladies, we are a few days before Yom Kippurim, and that means our comments this afternoon will be directed to Yom Agadol Vahnora. What the Hachamim say, Yom Echad B'Shana, it's the one day of the year, the most special, Yom Echad or Miuchad. Yom Mechila Uslicha V'Chapara. So I came this afternoon to try to reveal what is, uh, I believe, a secret regarding the day of Yom Kippur that I don't, I don't think is well known, but it's definitely worth your while. If you look in the uh, Mahzor, our custom is that at the end of Yom Kippurim, right before the service ends, the Hazan says, Shema Yisrael Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Yechad. He says it one last time out loud. The congregation responds. And then he recites Adonai Elohim, Adonai Elohim seven times. And the question is, what is exactly the uh, reason behind this finale of Yom Kippurim? The Shema and the seven Hashem Wa'edokims. It needs, it needs analysis. And if we have an extra minute, maybe we can explain even what happens uh, right after that, that the men go outside and they make Birkata Levana. I chose this part of the service because it's neglected. You know, everybody focuses on the first 500 pages of the Mahzor. And by the time you get to page 501, you're thinking about uh, the breaking of the fast already. Your mind, uh, you just want to get to the end. But every part of the service is significant. The end as well. So therefore, I, I opened the Mahzor backwards this year. And I said, let's, let's work from the other way in order that we shouldn't neglect any of the pages of the Mahzor. So here we're starting from the end of the service. So in order to appreciate it, we'll go to the Gemara first in uh, Berachot. <clears throat> it's a well-known Gemara. It's on Daf Samich Aleph, 61b. There's nothing better that we could do during Aseri Meteshuvah than sit and read from the holy texts. This is the best Time well spent learning from the text inside, so I want to quote inside. This is a story of the uh, Rabbi Akiva. And it says that Rabbi Akiva, at the end of his life, was uh, teaching Torah in public. And as a result, the Romans incarcerated him and put him in prison. And it says that when he was in the prison, eventually they took him out. When they ultimately took him out to, to kill him, they killed him. It was the time of Kiryat Shema. They took iron combs, and it seems they were hot iron combs, and they were raking his holy body. And he was accepting upon himself the, the yoke of heaven, of the kingdom of God. 
Amru lo talmidav. So the students came to the Rebbe and said, Rebbeinu, Adkan. Which means, even until this point, just let yourself die. Why are you uh, uh, accepting upon yourself in such a way? That's one way of learning the question. There's different ways of learning the question. They wanted to understand what the rabbi was doing. Amar lahem, kol yamai, haiti mitzta'er al pasuk zeh. All my life, I agonized when I read this pasuk. Bechol nafshecha. You have to serve God even with all of your soul. Afilu notel et nishmatecha. Even if he takes your soul. Amarti, I said to myself, I said, wait, when will this mitzvah come to me? I was waiting all my life that Hashem should give me this opportunity to give my life for Him. And now that it came to me, now that I have the opportunity to show God that my attachment to Him is so great that I'm willing to give my life for Him, now I shouldn't. This is, this is an opportunity that I was waiting for my whole life. So he followed the custom. Only difference is, <laughs> he gave up his life. When he came to the word Ehad, he was Ma'arikh. Ehad. And he stretched it. Until when he said the word Ehad, his Nishama went with the word Ehad. A heavenly voice came and proclaimed, Ashrecha Rabbi Akiva. Fortunate are you, Rabbi Akiva. How lucky you are that your neshama departed from you in the word Ehad. This is a well-known Gemara. The Gemara does not tell us what time of the year this happened. That you need already some commentary. For all I know, this could have happened at any time of the year. I have no indication from the Gemara itself if this happened in Purim time, if this happened on Shavuot or Sukkot or on Tubishvat. I have no clue from the Gemara when this story happened. So I open up our great rabbi, Ben Ishai, Rabbeinu Yosef Chaim Mibagdad. And he brings down that we have a tradition and it's brought down in some Midrashim as well, that this event took place on Leil Kippur. That's when the Akiva gave up his, his neshama, either Leil Kippur or Yom Kippur, sometime on the day of Yom Kippur. But that's a, that's a big hadush for many of us. That the yurt site of Rabbi Akiva is on Yom Kippur. So the Rav Ben Ishai, he has a, uh, a question. I want to read it from the Ben Yehoyada. He says the following. Amru lo talmidav rabenu. So he writes. Lo amaro. Lo amru lo ken beyom shenifthah. They didn't have this conversation with him on the day that he died. Interesting. I always read the Gemara that this was happening in real time. They were talking to him as it was happening. But the Ben Shai says, it can't be. When he was saying the word Echad, how can he answer them? 
<laughs> which means he was involved in this misirut uh, nefesh, uh, and they're having a conversation with him, and as he's saying the word Ehad, he's answering them, all my life I'm waiting to do this. And so the Benish Hai says, he, they couldn't have been having this conversation at the time that it actually was happening. So then how do you learn this Gemara? He writes, He says, it's known. Don't ask me how the Benish Hai knows it. If the Benish Hai says it's known, it's known. Akiva was taken into captivity in the month of Elul. And he was Niftar 40 days later on Yom Kippur. And from the time that he was taken into captivity in Elul until Yom Kippurim, they judged him every day. Every day they slowly tortured the Rav. Every day they were doing it. This was not a one-time one event at the end of his life. This was a process that went on for the 40 days, it seems, during Hodesh Elul. And every day he said Shema Yisrael because he didn't know if he's going to die or not. So therefore, every day. So therefore, he said Ehad. And then he was alive. He didn't die. So the student said, Rabbeinu Adkan, what are you doing? He says, you're kidding. All my life I'm waiting for this. Maybe tomorrow will be the day. And then the next day they started to comb his body again. And he said, Ehad. He said, Rabbeinu Adkan, how long is the rabbi going to suffer? He said, don't say I'm suffering. I'm waiting for this moment. So he was able to talk after the event because he survived the event for many, for many days. Kol yom hashav she'ayom yamut merov Ubot otam hayamim during those days deberu imot talbidav. That's when the students spoke to him. Shayu ba'im etzlo. They would visit him in jail. Ve'omdim b'mkom shehunidon. Every day he had visitors. The midrash says one of the students brought him nitilat uh, yadaim every day so he could wash his hands. They brought him water so he could drink. So they visited him. So these conversations happened during the month of Elul. And then he says, However, on the day that he actually died, which is Yom Kippur, the students did not visit him on that day. Why? Everybody's in shul. Everybody's praying. Even the rabbi called Nabi Garsi, who was his attendant, who used to bring him food, he said that day he doesn't have to bring him food because Nabi Akiva is fasting. So therefore he didn't go either. He says, So therefore when Nabi Akiva died, the students were not there even. The Gemara is telling us what happened, not because we had eyewitnesses that were there. The Gemara is telling it to us because we have a tradition, this is what happened. But there were students who were not around, it was just the Akiva and the Romans on that day. Amazing story. 
They took him after that, and they put his body, after he died, back in jail. And the Romans passed a decree, nobody could come and take the body of Rabbi Akiva to bury him. They were holding his body now, ransom. Listen to the story. Eliyahu Navi came, Zachulatov, Vigila Adaval Rabbi Yoshua Garsi. He went to Rabbi Yoshua Garsi and he told him, he said, Listen, I have to tell you news what happened with the rabbi. The rabbi died in jail. We need to go now to try to get his body out. So look at this. Eliyahu Navi with the Yoshua Garsi now makes it away to the prison cell. This is the miracle that Hashem made. When they got there, everybody fell asleep. They were all in a deep sleep. The warden, the guards, all the different the patrolmen, the security, they all fell asleep. Today that wouldn't be a miracle. They're always sleeping. But in those days, they used to do their job. And they all fell asleep. Yeshua took Rabbi Akiva and he put him on his shoulder. And he didn't wake up anybody on the way out. And Eliyahu Nabi walked with him the whole day and the whole night. Until they got to the city of Tiberias. When they got to Tiberias, so they climbed the mountain over there in Tiberia, all of a sudden, a cave opened up, and all of a sudden, they saw a room behind the cave. What was in the room? The room, they saw a whole setup. There was a bed, there was a shulchan, a table, and it was a menorah, a light. Not physical. This was... Ma'ase shamayim, these items, spiritual uh, furniture. V'samu et Rabbi Akiva l'ambita. They saw the bed there, they said, this is for Rabbi Akiva. They put him exactly in that spot. V'yatsu. And they exited the me'ara. V'yatsu. And they left. V'tekef d'istema me'ara b'yde shamayim. And the second they left, the me'ara closed and sealed. V'lo nish'eret. And now we have the outer cave. That we go visit it. He says, the cave that we go visit in Tiberia, that's the outer cave. And now you know the story how the Akiva passed away. According to the Beit says that it was not a one-day process. It started in sometime in Elul. And it took it all the way to Kippur itself. I saw in one of the sefarim uh, that brought down that it's quite possible that this is what the Gemara means when it says, Ashrecha Rabbi Akiva, Shiatzan Nishmatcha Be'echad. Be'echad doesn't only mean in the word Echad. Be'echad means on the one day of the year that's considered. Echad Yahid Um Yuhad, the special day of the year. Ashrek Rabbi Akiva, Shiatsan Nishpatcha, that when did your Neshama 
leave your body. Be'ehad. What's Be'ehad? Be'yom Kippur, which is the one day, which is the unique day of the Gemara, is alluding to us not only uh, which word his body, his soul left, but actually it's telling us the time of the year, Be'ehad. Although we have a deeper explanation for that in a minute. Now I saw a sefer over here. It's called Rabbi Akiva V'Yom Kippurim. Somebody wrote a book, 50 pages, on all this uh, Gemara. And there he writes, and he says, listen, I'm not saying it's Emet, I didn't see it brought down in the books, but I'm just giving you food for thought. And I thought I would share that, uh, that food with you. He says, why did Rabbi Akiva have to suffer for 40 days? From Rosh Chodesh Elul until Kippur. According to the Ben is learning, every day they were torturing him. Why did the men have to go through that? So we know that Rabbi Akiva didn't make Teshuvah until he was 40 years old. And we also know that sometimes God calculates a year for a day. Remember when the spies, they traveled for 40 days. But Hashem said, for each day that you went, you're going to be punished for a year. So in this case, it went the opposite. For each year of Rabbi Akiva, until the age of 40, he had to make a tikkun. So at the end of his life, he got the tikkun of the 40 days in, 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 in suffering, in, in the Yisurin, as they say. Okay, that's, uh, you know, something that uh, we, we, could, uh, we could argue. Fine. There is just one more line over here in the Midrash. The Midrash comes along and says that when Eliyahu Navi came, he originally told Rabbi Yoshua that he's a Kohen. Eliyahu Navi is a Kohen and he cannot uh, touch the body, come close to the body. So then when he came to the jail, he started to help. So Rabbi Yoshua tells uh, Eliyahu Navi, Vahalo amarta li Kohen ata. You told me that you're a Kohen. What happened? The Kohen cannot become Tameh. He says, My dear son, Rabbi Yoshua, He says, This man over here, there's no Tum'ah. He says, Originally, I didn't know if he's going to be Tum'ah or not. But when I get here and I see this Sadiq, Rabbi Akiva, in his passing, we don't have to worry. Even the Kohanim would be allowed to tend to his holy body. This man is Kadosh. Fine. Once already we have this, we can explain a minhag that we have in the beginning of Yom Kippur. I hope you'll remember these things on, uh, what is it, Tuesday night, on Leil Kippur. I know we're a week away, and you might forget it. So if you're taking the notes, these are ideas that should stay in your mind. I don't want you to forget them. On, on all of our mahsurim, when we start the service of Kal Nidre, so we read Pesukim, a lot of Pesukim we read. And one of the Pesukim we read is Or Zarua La Sadiq Ul Yishrelev Simha. And some repeat it a few times. Or Zarua La Sadiq Ul Yishrelev Simha. Whatever the pasuk means, I don't know what it means. Go look it up in the Tehidim, it means something. But the Hachamim say that there is a deeper reason 
why we say this pasuk when we enter Yom Kippur. Because we want to invoke the zikhut of Rabbi Akiva. Because on the day of the Yurtzeit of the Tzaddik, so some have a custom to light a candle, but for sure the Tzaddik becomes an advocate for us. And who better? Shiyatsan nishmato be'echad. Be'yom echad. On the day of Kippur. To have Rabbi Akiva now advocate for us. So therefore we want to summon his soul. Now, how do you summon the soul of the Tzaddik? So you call him. So we say the Pasuk, Or Zaru ala Tzaddik, Or Yishayim Sub'ah. Or Zaru ala Tzaddik, it's referring to the Tzaddik. That's Rabbi Akiva. How do we know? Pay attention. Or, what's the last letter of Or? Resh. Okay, you did good. What does Resh stand for? Rabbi. Good. Zaruah. Zayin. La Tzaddik. Kof. You have Ayin Kof. Or Zaruah La Tzaddik. Ul Yishre. Is a Yud. Leb. Is a Bet. Semha. Is a He. Sofet Evot. Rabbi Akiva. Or Zaruah La Tzaddik. Ul Yishre. Leb. Semha. Now, I was, I was prepared for that. She's asking, what do you mean? The Biakiva is with an Aleph. And now we're spelling it with a He. All the great rabbis from the Hida and up and down discuss this issue. That there's two ways of spelling the Biakiva. It represents that his soul was living on two different levels. Yehud Elyon, Yehud Tachton, sometimes it's with an Aleph, sometimes it's a He, to the extent there's a big question in Halakha that if God forbid there's somebody whose name is Akiva and he's getting a get and they have to write the name Akiva in a get, how do they spell it? And therefore some of the rabbis said they have to write two gets. One Akiva with an Aleph and one Akiva with a He. It's easy for them to stay married, but they have to write... Two eighteen, just just in case. But that's that's a discussion in itself. How to spell Akiva? But look at this. That means the soul of Rabbi Akiva is so great that David Melech Alav Shalom. David Melech came way before Rabbi Akiva in the Tehillim. He couldn't resist for putting Rabbi Akiva's neshama in the Tehillim itself. And on Leil Kippur, we open the service. We look at the final letters of this as if to say, this is the day of Rabbi Akiva. And therefore, he should be, as we say, an advocate for us as well. Now, I will say that I saw brought down in the Sefarim a remez that Rabbi Akiva died on Yom Kippur. Do you know that there is a Masechet, a tractate in Gemara, that the whole Masechet is dedicated to the laws of Yom Kippur. Do you know the name of the Masechet? It's called Masechet Yoma. Yoma means the day. The men learn it, Yoma. I don't know how many pages, 80 pages or so. All the laws of Yom Kippur from the beginning to the end, from the times of the Beit HaMikdash. If you go all the way to the end of Masichet Yoma, the last Mishnah, it's the way Yom Kippur ends. Yoma, the last Mishnah says, Amar Rabbi Akiva, Rabbi Akiva says, Ashrechem Yisrael, 
אשריכם, you are fortunate. לפני מי אתם מטהרים? Look who you purify yourself in front of. ומי מטהר אתכם? And who is purifying you? לפני אביכם שבשמיים, you are purifying yourself in front of God Almighty. And then he goes on to say that the day of Yom Kippur is like a mikveh. Just like the mikveh purifies the impure people, so to God on Yom Kippur is metameh and metaher the tehorim. So the masichet ends with the statement of Rabbi Akiva. And the tzaddikim say, why when Rabbeinu HaKadosh and the rabbis who established these gemariyot, Rabbeinah, Rabbeinah, why did they put Rabbi Akiva at the end of Yomah? In order to hint to us that that was his yurt site. And therefore they put his statement at the end. That the end of Yomah, this is the day of Rabbi Akiva. It's as if it's Yomah to Rabbi Akiva. It's the day of Rabbi Akiva, not only the day of Yom Kippur. It's his hilulah. And therefore the masichet, everything goes according to the end. When we go to the end of the Masechet, who appears at the end of Masechet Yomah? Oh, Rabbi Akiva is the one that's explaining to us what the day is. So it seems that there's some connection why God orchestrated that we have Rabbi Akiva passing on Kippur. I came today to explain this orchestration. Why, why does it have to be like this? Why do we need it? It's to our benefit. Yes, you heard me. It is to our benefit that Rabbi Akiva passes on Yom Kippur, because it'll allow us to receive a, a tikkun and a kapara, as you will see. What I'm going to say now is not easy stuff. But it comes from the Sadiqim. There was a Sadiq called Naftali Mirovshitz. Zechet Sadiq, one of the Hasidim, big, big, big Sadiq. I only quote the Sadiqim. This was a big Sadiq. And he has a question. His question is, why is it that Rosh Hashanah, it falls out on Rosh Chodesh, obviously. It's the first of the month. It's the only holiday that really falls out that time of the month. Most of the holidays fall out in the middle of the month when the moon is full. We, we have a holidays usually on the 15th of the month. 15th of Tishri, Sukkot, 15th of Nisan, even Tu Bishvat. Usually, even, even, even Shavuot is a week into the month. But here, Shavuot for some reason, I'm sorry, Rosh Hashanah for some reason, they made it on Rosh Chodesh. Uh, by the way, just because it's Rosh Hashanah doesn't, even have to be, doesn't have to be on Rosh Chodesh. It can be the beginning of the year and you can decide whatever day of the year is the beginning of the year. It's, it's an arbitrary date you could choose. Why did they make it that Rosh Hashanah is asking should be coinciding with Rosh Chodesh where we have no other holiday really that begins at least on Rosh Chodesh. So he says a Bechadush. Because that's when we begin the 10 days of Teshuvah. We begin the process. And uh, it's not an easy process because in heaven, the books bring down that the prosecutor is out prosecuting against us, saying that they made sins and therefore God should not give them the opportunity to have kapara. 
they shouldn't. There's, there's all sorts of prosecutions that take place, trying to convince the bedin in heaven, God, don't forgive them. If they sinned, let them pay for it. Let them, God forbid, get punished. That's the, that's the prosecution. Ladies, you know that there's a prosecution. If there was no prosecution, then we, we'd have an easy street. We're always trying to, what are we eating all the simanim on Rosh Hashanah for? We're saying, Who's oibenu? Who's sonenu? Who's mevakshenu? Who are all these enemies? Anybody have enemies over here that you're praying for them to die? I don't have so many enemies. A few of them, but I don't have so many. But the point is, and we say it over and over again. It's referring to the prosecutors in heaven. Those enemies that are trying to prosecute against us to say, don't forgive them, don't accept the teshuvah, they do it every year, a repeat customer, they don't deserve it. Whatever they're saying, we're asking God, don't listen. You following? So says of Naftali Merovshitz, but God ultimately does listen. Why? How should I explain it? Does God need kapara for anything? No. Please say no. No. He doesn't know. Of course God needs a kapara. If God needs kapara, of course not. God is God. God is perfect. God does not need kapara. But let's imagine for a minute, stretch your brain a minute. Let's say he needed kapara. Let's say, imagine, don't believe it, but imagine it. That he needs kapara for something. Don't ask me what his sin is. I don't know what his sin is, but let's imagine. Well, if he would need kapara, that would be good for us. You know why? Because when the prosecutor comes along and says, no, if they sinned, don't give them kapara, God can say, hey, 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 I need kapara for myself. If we could find that God needs kapara for himself, then the prosecutor can open his mouth about kapara. But the problem is, go find if God needs kapara. I wish we could find somewhere that God needs kapara for something. But you're not going to find it. But I'm just saying, hypothetically, if God could tell the Satan, what do you mean, what do you mean, kapara? I need kapara myself. You tell me I shouldn't have kapara? No, I wasn't talking to you, God, so keep quiet, get out of here then. If I get kapara, everybody gets kapara. Drinks on the house. If I get kapara, everybody gets kapara. But the question is, does God need kapara? Now hold on to your seats, because I found it. Don't ask me to explain it too much. I'm going to read it to you, but it's Gemara Hulin. You, you all have rabbis. After the class, call your rabbi up. Say, Rabbi Mansur quoted a Gemara Hulin, page 60 uh, on, the, on the second side. Uh, please elucidate. Rabbi Mansur did not know how to elucidate, he just read it. I'm reading you now. Pasuk comes along and says, God created the world, he created the two luminaries, the sun and the moon. And the Torah originally refers to it as Me'orote Gedolim. They were both big. And then it says later on, Then it says the big one and the small one. What happened? They were both big. The moon came and complained to God. Two kings are going to wear one crown 
You can't have two kings in, 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 the same, uh, in the same territory. Either the sun or, or the moon. So the moon was the one that complained. So what did God say? You're right. You'll become minimized. You'll lose your light. You're going to only have light from the sun. And the moon becomes one of the small planets. And that's why it went from being Ma'ora Gadol to Ma'ora Katan. This was after God punished it. So the moon comes to God and says, I'm tatsmi. I said something that makes sense. Why should I get punished? It's a logical thing that I said. You can't have two kings in one territory. Because I said something that's logical, therefore I should get punished like this with a bushah. I went from becoming a big luminary where I don't even have my own light. I went from becoming a bright planet to a dark planet. So God says, fine, I'll give you a compensation. The sun only comes out in the day, but the moon you could see in the day and the night. You ever see sometimes the moon in the day? You see sometimes. You never see the sun in the night, do you? No. Amra buta. So the moon came along and said, well, they don't need me in the day. What's my benefit during the day? So he says, oh, I'll give you another compensation. They're going to use the moon to count years and months. The Jews will use you as the way they count. How do the Jews count the calendar? Solar calendar. So therefore you have a zechut. They're going to use you to count the months and the years. So he says, not only that, the tzaddikim are going to use you as their nickname. When they want to say a tzaddik is humble, they're going to say, Yaakov Hakatan. Who's Hakatan? Like the moon. So therefore they're going to nickname the tzaddikim Shmuel Hakatan. All the great rabbis have the name Hakatan, which is the nickname of the moon. They don't say Hashemish, Hagadot. David Hakatan. Anyway, the moon, don't ask me why, was not being appeased. God said, I'll give you a billions of stars in order that you should have entourage. At the end of the day, the moon was upset. It did not get appeased. So no matter what God's doing to the moon, it doesn't want to... It's as if... I don't want to say this too loud. It's as if God's telling the moon, Mehila, and the moon is saying, I'm not Mohel. I'm not Mohel. I'm not Mohel. So God's okay, how about this? I'll throw in this. I'll throw in an extra perk, an extra advent. I'm not mohem. You're holding on to your seats. God says, Haviyu kapara alai. I need kapara now. I made the move small, you're not accepting it, and therefore I need kapara. Says the Gemara. If you look on every holiday, we bring korban hatat. We bring a sin offering. It's a, a sa'ir, it's a goat. And always the pasuk says, Sa'ir ehad hatat. Sa'ir ehad hatat. One goat hatat. But on Rosh Hashanah, if you paid attention to the reading, the pasuk says, it says, Ubayom. 
‫אמרתי לפסוק רביעי, ‫וסעיל עזים אחד לחטאת להשם. ‫זה אומר להשם, ‫אז אם תגיד את סעיל חטאת ‫אב יום כיפור, ‫זה תרטון פהו? ‫ולהשם, פגד. ‫אמר הקדוש ברוך הוא, ‫סעיל זה יהיה כפרה עליי. ‫זה סעיל ובי כפרה פמי. ‫שמעטתי את היד היה, ‫because I reduced the moon. ‫שחקינג גמרא. ‫אבל אני אגיד לכם ‫את הדבר שנפתלי רב ‫שאתה מסביר את זה. ‫זה כל מה שעשיתם ‫לעשות את הדבר שלכם. ‫בגלל שעכשיו, ‫כשראש השנה בא, ‫זה הראשון שעשיתם את התשובה, ‫ואנשים מתחילים להתרפנט, ‫והם מתחילים להתחיל את הפגיבה, ‫והשטן בא ואומר, ‫לא, הם לא מתחילים פגיבה, ‫הפגיבה לא תהיה להם, ‫אם הם עשו את זה, ‫הם יתחילו להתחיל. ‫אז מה שבא לעשות? ‫רגע, רגע, רגע, ‫לא רק שהם צריכים כפרה, ‫אני גם צריך כפרה. ‫אתם אומרים לי שאני צריך להיות כפרה? ‫לא, לא, לא, חס ושלום, ‫אוקיי, חס ושלום, ‫תסכים, תסכים. ‫זה מה שמאפשר לנו ‫לתת כפרה. ‫זה סילנסס את הכפרה של שטן. ‫שטן כפרה שלא יכולה להיות. ‫אדם עושה שטן, סופר. ‫ואז אם כפרה לא יכולה להיות, ‫זה אומר שאתה רוצה לתת כפרה. ‫זאת אומרת, הוא אמר, ‫הם עשו את החלטה על חודש. ‫כי זה על חודש ‫שאנחנו רואים את הפרשמת של המון. The day before Rosh Chodesh, you don't see the moon at all. On Rosh Chodesh, you see the moon has a little, little light. And it's on that day that you see it's Ma'or HaKaton. On Rosh Chodesh, you see it's the small luminary. And you see the sun on that day is big. So on Rosh Chodesh, that's when the Kapara is brought of Rosh Hashanah. On Rosh Chodesh. Because by doing Kapara, Borei Olam is able to silence the Satan and say, Hey, today's Rosh Chodesh. You saw the moon over there? Look how small it is, Meskeen. And I did it to him. And I got I to fix that. And you're telling me we can't fix things? If I could fix B'nai Yisrael, I could fix as well. Evantem? Beautiful. It's a deep, uh, it's a deep concept. So the date of Rosh Hashanah is significant because of this Gemara. Kapara is aroused because if God needs Kapara, then we can get Kapara as well. I saw a similar concept. If you just want to hear a, a similar... Where are we? Here. We read in last week's parasha... Oh, so, so I must tell you. Oh, I almost forgot to say, beautiful Hadush. Two Hadushim. This week is called Shabbat Shuvah. That's not the Hadush. It's called Shabbat Shuvah because of the first Pasuk in the Haftarah. The Prophet Hoshea says to the people, he exhorts them, Shuvah Yisrael, Ad Hashem Eloecha, Ki chashalta ba'avonecha. What does it mean, Shuvah Yisrael, Ad Hashem Eloecha? So the way we're learning now, based on what we just said, is Shuvah Yisrael. The Jewish people, you have the ability to make Teshuvah. You know why? Because Teshuvah reaches Ad Hashem Because even God is involved in making Teshuvah. 
It doesn't say make Teshuvah to God. It should say Shuvah Yisrael El Elohecha. It says no, Shuvah Yisrael Ad. Because Teshuvah reaches not only in earth, but Teshuvah reaches in heaven because God himself is also involved. And the reason why Shuvah Yisrael, the reason why we're able to make Teshuvah and the Satan is not able to be Mekatreg is because Teshuvah reaches Adashem Elohecha. And since Teshuvah is in heaven, Teshuvah is in heaven, it reaches God, yes, because God needs to be a Qurban as well for the, for the, for the sin, not for the sin, for the, for the story we'll call it, of him and the, and the God and the moon. Adashem Elohecha. We also have the custom during this week, starting from Rosh Hashanah, and all the days of Asiri Mit Teshuvah, to read Shira Ma'alot Memamakim Keraticha Hashem. I think it's chapter 130. What does it say in that chapter? The chapter reads like this there's two Pesukim. One of the Pasuk says, Im Avonot Tishmuriyah, Adonai Mi'amod. God Almighty, Im Avonot Tishmuriyah, if you're going to hold us responsible for our Avonot, nobody can stand. Hashem Mi'amod. Even the biggest Sadiq, if God's going to hold us responsible for the Averot, in Sadiq Baharis, everybody has something wrong. When the IRS opens the books, they always find something. And therefore, when they open the books in heaven, it's even more forensic than the IRS. And therefore, we say, God, if you're going to hold us to all of our sins, who can stand? So what zikhut do we have? What does the next pasuk say? But you know what we have? You need siliha also. Because you need siliha. Therefore, if God gets siliha, we all get siliha with God. Our, 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 our escape from the judgment is ki emecha siliha. What do you mean emecha siliha? Does God need atonement? According to the Gemara, yes. And therefore, since emecha siliha, we're covered as well. That's two pesukim to justify what was said in this uh, in this hadush. There's another, another principle here, which is also nice to hear. It's similar. It won't confuse you any more than this Gemara confused you. I think you're at the maximum state of confusion. So this cannot make you worse than you are already. So I'll, I'll say it as well. The Pasuk says in Perashah, in the Tzavim, last week, Veshav Adonai Elohecha the simple interpretation of the Pasuk means which means God will return. Who will God return? It's is the Jews that are in captivity. The Jews that are in exile. I have mercy on you. That's the simple interpretation. But when you hear the word Veshav, what does it sound like? Teshuvah. Some of the tzaddikim, they learn this pasuk, Veshav Hashem. You know what's going to happen? Hashem is going to make teshuvah. Veshav Hashem. And when is God going to make teshuvah? Veshav Hashem etshivutecha. When you make teshuvah on earth, that arouses God to make teshuvah in heaven. 
And when God makes Teshuvah, nobody can open their mouth in heaven. God, nobody can come along and say, hey, Teshuvah, hey, they shouldn't do it. If God's involved in the process, finished. The Bekatrigim cannot open their mouth. They, the Bekatrigim can open their mouth about us. But once they go against God, they're silenced. So Borei Olam says, Vesham Hashem Elohecha which means what? God repents when Shemutecha, when you're repenting, and he gives a beautiful mashal. What's the mashal? What does God repent for when, 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 we, when we make Teshuvah? He says something beautiful. A father gave his son a knife, but the knife was in the holder. And it has a buckle and a snap, and the kid was complaining, Daddy, I want to play with it, I want to play with it, play with it, but it's closed. What happened? The kids, in, in 15 seconds, they figure out how to open it, and now the kid's running around with the knife, and he cut himself. And now the father sees the kid, and the father gets angry initially at the kid. What are you doing over here? You opened it, you, put the, you cut yourself, give me the knife back. And then the father comes along and says, who's guilty? I'm guilty, what did I give him a knife for? You give a knife to a kid, and the father starts to regret, why did I give the knife to the kid so he's gonna get hurt? It was inevitable. When a Jew comes along and says, God Almighty, I sinned. God says, it's my fault. I gave him the Yetzirah. The Yetzirah is the knife. I gave them the Yetzirah and I expected them to control. But you can't control. You can't give a, a, a child a knife and he's not going to get into trouble. So when God sees us crying for our sins, it causes God to say, listen, I have to share in the guilt as well. I need to make the Shuvah. I created the Yetzir. What do you see from these? So they were, When we make Teshuvah, it brings God to Teshuvah. That's all you have to know. So the Shekhinah, this is a, one line, it's a very important bridge, this line. That means the Shekhinah is participating in the process with us. The Shekhinah on Rosh Hashanah has to bring a korban for Rosh Chodesh. Se'ir hatat Hashem. When we make Teshuvah during the 10 days, God is involved in the process. That means it's not that we're doing it and God's on the receiving end. Actually, Borei Olam is part of the process. And God says, I have to bring kapara. Kapara that I created the Yetzirah, kapara that I minimized the moon. All these things Borei Olam is about. So when we say Asini mit Teshuvah, it's not only for us. Kivyakun Borei Olam also is involved in, in the process. You want to see what the process looks like? Anybody want to know what it looks like when God makes Teshuvah, Kapara? I know what our Kapara looks like. We fast, we give Siddhaqah, we make Vidui. Our Kapara has a very defined way. We do Kaparot. We know exactly what Kapara... But I want to know what kapara looks like from in, when God makes kapara. What does he do? Vidui? Hatati aviti pashati? To you? He comes close to us. Oh, he comes close. So I want to understand the process. I know he's not taking a chicken and, and swinging around his, uh, his head. What, what does he do to get kapara? He, bring, he doesn't bring a korban. He brings a korban. He doesn't bring a korban. There's no korban. No, but God, korban. There has to be a certain method that Borei Olam chooses in order to show that he's part of the process. It 
it would be much easier for me to tell you stories about you know, tzaddikim than give these long, complicated classes, but I don't want to deprive you from these great secrets. It's a lot of energy that I have to expend in order to bring these concepts out, but it's worth it. Oh, we were talking about a Biakiva. What does this have to do with a Biakiva? So the Biakiva, as you know, there's a story that's told in the Torah of Yosef and the brothers. And Yosef became victimized by the brothers, and they threw him into the pit. And then eventually they sold them. You must be aware, remember that Uven wasn't there. But Uven actually said, throw him into the pit. And then he went away, and then when he came back to get him out of the pit, he was already gone. So if you remember what Uven said at that point, he said, He said, the boy is, is missing. Va'ani, regarding me, Anna Aniba. Where am I going to go to hide myself from my father? My father's going to be very upset. I'm the Bechor, I'm responsible. Da'arizal, when he saw these words, Va'ani, Anna, and I, where will I go? He saw something over here. And he said, The brothers, Va'ani, Anna. And I, where? Where will I, where will I hide? The Arizal says that as a result of the brothers selling Yosef, they needed to come back in Gilgul and they had to die a miserable death by the hands of the Romans for what they did to their brother. These would be known as the Ten Martyrs or in the Hebrew vernacular, Asara Harugim Malchut. God would take revenge for what the brothers did, but it was a delayed payment. He didn't take revenge on the brothers. It was delayed until a later date when the ten martyrs came. The Pasuk says in Tehillim, El Nekamot Adonai, El Nekamot Ophiya. God is a God of vengeance. And his vengeance manifests itself. And this is the classic example that Arizal said, that God's vengeance was on hold. He didn't punish the Shivatim immediately, but he waited for a later date. And the Uven, when he came back to the well and he saw what the brothers did, he said, Va'ani, Ana, says Arizal, Ani Rashitevot, El Nekamot Adonai, Ana, El Nekamot Ophiya. At that point, he said, The God of vengeance is here today. There's going to have to be consequences for what took place. And therefore, later on in history, the ten would come along and get punished. The only problem is, I mean, do math. There's simple math here now, ladies. There's 12 tribes. Yosef is not... He's the, he's the victim. He's not the perpetrator, so you can't count Yosef. Now you can't count Benjamin, because he wasn't around. 
And you can't count the Uven, because he wasn't there either. He came back, and by the time he came back, it was all over. So there was only nine. So that's not fair. You have a team of nine, and ten have to get punished. I don't have a problem, nine for nine. But what, you're adding one plus one? Why do you, it's not gematria that you add one over here. Why is it nine plus one? So that is our rights, the Sadiqim say. Because in order to make a minyan or a quorum, they needed, they needed a quorum in order to make the, uh, their ruling, you know, that they shouldn't tell their father. They needed a minyan. But they only have nine. Now, if we could do this in shul, it would be great. Whenever you have nine, you just bring the shekhinah down. And say, okay, shekhinah, we have a tent, he's here. We, can, we, don't, we don't know how to do that trick. We need to take humans for a minyan. But they were able to bring the shekhinah, and the shekhinah accepted to be part of the minyan. Says the tzaddikim, something amazing. Well, since the Shekhinah was part of it, the Shekhinah would also need a, a tikkun. Which one of the rabbis would represent the Shekhinah? How do you know? <laughs> yes, Rabbi Akiva. But why? Why does he get the distinct honor that he should represent God's role in, the, in this, this story over here. It's because Nabi Akiva himself made one of the most landmark dirashot in history. There was a rabbi called Shimona Amsoni. His dirashah was it. Anytime he saw the word it, he felt that it's coming to say a hidush. Aleph Taf. I would say it's coming to tell me nothing. It's an auxiliary word. It's it. What's it? But he said, no, it le rabot, it le rabot, it, every it. Anytime you see an et, it's coming to include something. Until he got to the pasuk, et Hashem When he got to the pasuk, et Hashem you have to fear God. Et is coming to include. Including who? Who else do you have to fear beside God? Shimon Amsuni said, I'm stuck. Rabbi Akiva says, I know. You have to fear God, yes. And you know what the et is coming to include? You have to fear Tamidi Hakamim like you fear God. The fear of your rabbi is like the fear of heaven. Now that's a bold statement. Rabbi Akiva took the rabbi and upgraded him and put him on the level of Et Hashem. That's big. So God says, Rabbi Akiva, because you are the one that elevated the Tamil Hakam to the level of the Shekhinah, so therefore, you have to take my place. Because that derasha is a beautiful derasha, but you have to live by it, you have to die by it as well. And therefore, since it was the Akiva that elevated the status of Tabida Khamim to be like the Shekhinah, he was the most suited to take the place. This is Rabbi Akiva. That's the other Nabi said he didn't even have Tum'ah at the time that he died. So now we understand. Let's bring it all around now. Buri Olam says, during these days over here, Bnei Yisrael needs kapara. 
Menesha is kapara, and they're going to make teshuvah. But if I don't make teshuvah with them, and I don't get kapara with them, that's not going to work. Because the Satan will challenge the whole concept. The Satan's going to say, if you sin, you're out. There's no such thing as regretting, you got to pay. But if God says, if I'm involved in kapara, and I'm involved in teshuvah, he can't say anything. So God is involved in kapara, of Rosh Hashanah with the moon, he's involved when we're making Teshuvah, God's regretting that he created the Yetzirah. Why did I give the knife to the kid? And what does God do to show this uh, Kapara? So I saw from Rabbi Friedman, may live and be well, a novel idea. But the Olam said, you know what my kapara is? Who represents me in this world more than anybody? Rabbi Akiva. Rabbi Akiva is the one that represents the Shekhinah. And therefore my kapara is going to be, Rabbi Akiva is going to suffer. That's like the Shekhinah suffering. And Rabbi Akiva suffered the 40 days from Elul until Rosh Hashanah. That was considered the Shekhinah involved in the process. The Shekhinah, it's a Borei Olam says, you want to see where my kapara is? Rabbi Akiva will represent me in my kapara during these days. And when they were raking his body, that's kibyachol, the way God gets kapara. Through the tzaddik Rabbi Akiva. Without Rabbi Akiva's mesirut nefesh, we don't have a chance. It's only because Rabbi Akiva represents the... Kapara that Borei Olam Kivyachol says he needs. So what does he do? He sent us his representative, is Rabbi Akiva ben Yosef. And when Rabbi Akiva went through the month of Elul every day, they rang him. That's Borei Olam Kivyachol making Teshuvah. So when the Satan says, don't give them Teshuvah, look, look, look what happened during these days. Don't you see over here? I made Teshuvah. God, what, the Satan says, what do you mean? Look at Rabbi Akiva. He's hitting it. He's taking it for me. Rabbi Akiva, it's like me. It's like me getting it. So therefore, without Rabbi Akiva, there's no teshuvah, there's no nothing. So therefore, we have to have a lot of akaratatov. And that's what it means when Rabbi Akiva, when he died, what did they say? Ashrecha Rabbi Akiva, shiatza nishmatcha be'ehad. It doesn't only mean shiatza nishmatcha, that when you said the word ehad, your neshama went up. But your neshama represents the ehad. Your neshama is represented. You're representing God. Rabbi Akiva is representing God in the process. Not only be'ehad be'yom ha'kipurim shu yom ehad. You are the representative of ehad. So when we tell the story of Rabbi Akiva dying on Yom Kippur, that's representative of the Shekhinah going through the Tikkun of Kapara for us. And this explains why at the end of the service, we want to recognize exactly this Tikkun of Rabbi Akiva. So what does the congregation do right before they leave? Shema Yisrael, Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Yechad. That's why we resound Shema Yisrael at the end of the service. Because that's the last words of Rabbi Akiva before he left this world. That was the end of the tikkun of the 40 days of Rabbi Akiva. Yatsanish Shvatom Be'echad. 
And therefore, on the way into Yom Kippur, we start Kippur with Rabbi Akiva by saying, Or and we finish the service by screaming on our top of our lungs, Yisrael, that's the bookends of Yom Kippur that represents the value of this Rabbi Akiva. And then we come along and we say, Adonai Elohim, Adonai Elohim, seven times. And the Mepharshim explain it. What is the seven times? Arizal says that Rabbi Akiva was the Gilgul of Yaakov Abinu. For another time to explain it. If you even look in, in, in Rabbi Akiva's name, it's the letters Yaakov or an Aleph. Akiva's Yaakov, Aleph. The Arizal writes that Yaakov equals 182. 182 is the name of Yudke Vavke seven times. Seven times 26 is 182. Yaakov. And therefore we say Hashem wa Elohim, Hashem, 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 seven times. And we say, God. The Aleph of Rabbi Akiva is represented in Elohim. So therefore you have seven Hashems and the Aleph represents Elohim. Akiva, Yaakov, 182, seven Hashems, As if we say that even though it looked like what they did to Rabbi Akiva was Bidat Adin, ultimately it was mercy. Hashem wa Elohim, that even though it looked like it was Bidat Adin, Akiva's name represents Yaakov Aleph. That what looked like Aleph, which is Elohim, it's Yaakov, it's mercy. Because ultimately what happened to Rabbi Akiva is kapara for us. The only way we're able to survive it is because Rabbi Akiva went through this. And then when that's all over, the rabbi makes an announcement. Rabotai, before you come to eat, we're now going to make Birkata Libana. And now we understand why Birkata Libana is so integral. Because that's where the kapara Hashem was. So you have to give a karata to the moon now. You have to go thank the moon. You thank Rabbi Akiva. No, I want to run home after have a cock and a cup of coffee. Well, the dinner here is. The moon saved your life. The moon over here did not accept appeasement, so God had to bring kapara, and therefore it protects us. So on the way out, we give one more thank you to the moon. We give a barakat to the barakata de bada. Now everybody's taken care of. Then we say, go home and eat. Ushte be devtob yenecha kikivara ratzashem etepilatka. The point over here is, that you see over here that everything in the Mahzor is by design and is kabanot. That's only one page. Imagine this whole derash is explaining one page of a 600 page Mahzor. Just explaining the Shema and the seven, the seven Shemot. I will give you advice. Erev Kippur, if you want to light a candle, you do yourself a big favor. That is already summoning the Neshama and you put some money in Tzedakah. And you say that this couple of few dollars is the Zechad Nishmat al-Sadiq, Rabbi Akibaz, for all the suffering that he went through. He represents the Shekhinah in this world. And when the Shekhinah needs kapara, needs Teshuvah, then already everybody gets Teshuvah. Because now already the Satan cannot negate the concept, because God uses the concept itself. It is our prayer. As Rabbi Akiva said at the end of Masichet Yomah, I wish all of our members at the school of Sharim Rabot and a Hatima Tova, Biskut Rabbi Akiva, Yagen Baadenu, Amen Kenyeratson.